0: Hey guys, welcome back to Gilme Talks, this is Gilme again, hope everyone is having a fantastic day. Currently currently in London, Ontario right now, it is snowing, this is the first real snowfall of the year, and yeah, it sucks, but you know what, what are you going to do, living in uh, Canada, you got to deal with the snow. This week's episode, uh, I say weeks as, as if I don't, don't post multiples of it these a week, eh? This week's episode is me and George Mackay talking all things Martin Scorsese. This is a fantastic episode and I love talking movies with George. So, a couple things first before we get get this on the way. Go check out Ghost Jewels and use that promo code GUILMY, G-U-I-L-M-Y, as in the title of the show here, to get 30% off all purchases if you have any. If you have, have any needs for any interesting Christmas gifts this year, go check out BatsInTheBelfryArtDiet.com. She is taking commissions, but I know that's coming up very, very shortly, so go check that out. And if you need any graphic design work, go check out my boy, de 59 and he is doing fantastic work over there. And anything that you guys guys can can help help him out with right now, I would really a, a appreciate it. So I hope you enjoy me and George talking talking about movies. Talk to you on the back half. Good morning, good evening, good night. How is everybody doing out there? This is Gilme again, and this is Gilme Talks Movies with your boy George Mackay. You know him from Straight Talk Wrestling, M O W E Wine, my O I W Podcast Net Network. He's one of the OGs in it. And you know what? He's just a good fucking guy, a guy to talk to. Go back to our previous ep- ep- episodes. We talk movies, we talk family, we talk wrestling, basically all things we love. And he is one of my favorite, my favorite people to have on this show. So George, how's it? How's it? How's the day going, buddy? It's going great with a tear in my eye.
1: Cause that was such a, a sweet <laughs> and sentimental intro. Uh, yeah, it's going great, man. Always glad to be back. And, um, now we're going down the rabbit hole uh that is another big time director with a big time mm-hmm. catalog of movies um drop the drop the drop the name bud all right because- we are going down the uh martin scorsese rabbit hole uh and this is gonna all be right. a good one because this was for me this was tarantino before i discovered tarantino so yeah that's where this, he is- this kind of wraps up right
0: and we're not going to go through every single movie like we did with Tarantino, guys, because if you just, just look up Scorsese's Wikipedia page, <laughs> we can just do like a three-hour podcast on the documentaries he did, which I'm pretty sure we're not even going to be touching on those. Some of them are but, great. Last Waltz is great. Oh yeah. If you ever get
1: a chance, Last Waltz is fantastic. But yeah, the documentary okay. stuff, is uh, it's a lot. It's
0: a yeah. Lot. So first one, um, there's Mean Streets, which I haven't watched in about twenty years. Um, what are your remember? What do you remember about Mean Streets? The one that kind of uh, kind of made his career for the first big bo- big block. His first hit, I would say, would be Mean Mean Near Streets, mm-hmm. and it was actually preserved in the United States national film registry which i think is fucking cool because that's just cool it really really is what are your thoughts on uh on mean 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 streets
1: well I, I i like mean streets because you could see where it would evolve to right mean streets uh definitely was a blueprint for taxi driver filmed in the very same style uh filmed in the same city again as a lot of his films centered around new york uh his, a lot of a lot of his films centered around these misfit characters, these characters that normally wouldn't be protagonists and antagonists in any film. If you look at the, if you look at the Harvey Keitel character in Mean Streets, this is not a character you resonate with. This is not a character you care about much like De Niro's uh, portrayal in taxi driver. These are not characters that you would normally give a a, a flying fuck about. Like who who would care about a, a taxi cab driver as the main character of a movie? And who would care about this wannabe gangster uh, and his friend who still lives with his mom? Like, nobody would give a shit about these characters. But for some reason, Scorsese has this fascinating way of, of making you feel for these characters, making you love them and believe them. So it's not a shock that this movie would be preserved in the National Film Registry. Um, I think all of his films should be, uh, except for The Departed, and I'm sure we'll get into my thoughts on that later. But... um oh. yeah we are <laughs> yeah, but this was this was a movie that uh again you could see why it was his first big hit and why he followed it up so closely with taxi driver because a lot of these uh characters resonate in that same world of misfits that you never would gravitate towards but of course scorsese made you give a fuck about them if that makes sense
0: oh yeah it does and i love his work as i as a, as we were talking to you before i am a uh, i am a raised a catholic so any any film with the catholic guilt in it mm-hmm. i kind of I, I i i kind of kind of enjoy just because that's how i uh, grew up mm-hmm. yeah okay. Now, okay
1: all right yeah fair enough fair enough i i won't speak on my views of the catholic church because we're talking about movies right now but oh, uh yeah.
0: Yeah, That's, that is a whole other, other, other show. Just my own, my, uh, my, uh, my views there, but, but let's move on to Taxi Driver, probably one of his more well known, well known films, because this is the one that really. Let me just check some uh, numbers. Yeah, this is the one that he like quadrupled his budget. I think this is his first. Mean Streets was the one that got everyone's attention. Mm-hmm. Taxi Driver mm-hmm. is the movie that showed what he can do. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. absolutely. Just um and once again, Robert De Niro is has been in so many, so many move, move, movies with uh, Scorsese, and has has knocked knocked the, every single one of these roles out of the park. I I, I think he brings the best out of that out. out out of his actors.
1: Yes. Yes. I would say that he has a a fascinating way of um, pulling these performances out of characters who are uh, not to say anything, but De Niro in his early days was very like one dimensional. De Niro played the same character. It was just intense all the time, but taxi driver had layers. You saw the psychotic breakdown of everything from just, I, I took a cab job because I, cause I want I just want to drive a cab, and then to this descent into like becoming this hero, saving this young girl from herself and disasters that would eventually unfold. And um, uh, what a, what a, what a brave way to put something like that out there, especially child prostitution, in a time period where it wasn't really discussed or wasn't even really known about, uh, to bring that to the forefront and show uh, a very uh, vulnerable um, character in that aspect and how these two again these two misfits connect in this world that he's built and the great part about it is Scorsese is that uh, a lot of people might not know this but the the scene where the uh De Niro drives the cracked out um uh I guess you want to say passenger to like his girlfriend's house and watches that's Scorsese that's Scorsese in the cab, and people don't re- people don't realize that Scorsese did give himself little cameos. But he was kind of kind of like the way we talked about Tarantino way way he gravitated towards those little cameos, like Hitchcock. Hitchcock never yeah. spoke, but Hitchcock would just be there in a scene or in a shot. Uh, Tarantino would give himself little sweet ass fucking tidbits kind of saved the best dialogue or best scenes for himself <laughs> to put him right in like the, the shit like Pulp Fiction like when he's washing the blood out of Samuel and fucking Travolta's uh hair it's gold it's gold and yeah. Scorsese finds a way to put himself in these little tidbits even in Gangs of New York there's a scene where Leonardo DiCaprio is watching this rich family through a window and the head of this rich family is Martin Scorsese he didn't talk but he puts himself in, in, in these like defining sequences where the character is altering and changing. And that conversation in the cab ride was what eventually started De Niro's descent into madness, as I would call it. That's like the pinpoint. So Scorsese has this fascinating way of putting himself right there in the mix, but not like Quentin, where Quentin would kind of overshadow or steal the scene.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Scorsese would elevate the characters within it,
0: in my opinion. Yeah. And any movie fan has seen Taxi, Taxi Driver, and I've heard... If they have it, they should be shot in the fucking head. Yeah, because if you are missing out on this amazing role, and people forget Jodie Foster, when she filmed that movie, she was only, what, 12, 13? I want to say she was, yeah, 12 or
1: 13, much like Natalie Portman was yeah. when she was in uh, The Professional very similar in the age and define and and a defining character and a paquin in the piano changing the landscape of what young actors were known to do back then
0: oh yeah and it was actually um i i do know 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 this about taxi driver having a young child in the final shootout they were actually considering doing an x rating and at the time that would have destroyed the movie because in the 70s you get an x and x and x rating you're playing it in porno theaters and that's it no no distribution no nothing and are you talking about deep throat are you talking about taxi
1: driver what are you talking about right now Taxi, taxi driver,
0: sir. Taxi driver. Deep throat is a whole. Other, <laughs> it's a whole other ball of wax, baby. But
1: you're right. You're right. An X rating. An X rating would have changed uh, what we would have known, and eventually, uh, unfortunately, I think had they given it that X rating, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about Martin Scorsese.
0: No, because and he absolutely refused to change the scene. And he brought other other films to argue it. And why is my film getting this rating? Whereas he showed a lot of the um, exploitation films at the time, which were a lot more graphic, a lot more violent than mm-hmm. what his film was. But it's because he had a bigger budget and a thea- theatrical release instead of it just playing as a, the second movie in on drive-ins at the at the at the times which most exploitation films were but it was he stuck to his guns and it showed that he knew what he was doing right he really did hurt him it hurt
1: him because it took 45 years after that to win an oscar yep so when when you go against the film board and you mm -hmm. win you win and he did he wins yeah uh then it becomes uh okay How do we fuck him? We're going to fuck him every single time. And how many of his films were nominated for best picture? How many times was he nominated for best director? It was almost like he was a Susan Lucci of the Oscars. He could never get the fucking award.
0: when he deserved it so many times. And I fully, fully agree because it makes sense. Now, where, where do you want to go next? Casino, Cape Fear, Goodfellas, Oh, raging have to, bull. we have to go we have to we have to touch on raging
1: bull but then we have to go right to um in my opinion we have to go right to goodfellas and then to the film where i discovered him which was casino casino was uh, the first film where i didn't give a fuck about the cast i only cared about the director i asked my mom point blank and this is a funny story and i'm going to sell my mom out i'm going to sell her right down the yep. river um she <laughs> took me to see this movie in theaters Oh, i was like let's see 95 i was 12. And yeah. I was really into The Godfather and the casino, casino just came out and she was like, well, there's, there's uh, this movie. I was like, I don't care about these people. And she's like, well, this guy here, he was in The Godfather part two. And I'm like, okay, now I care. I care. I want to go. I want to see it. So mm-hmm. my dad was like, no, 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 I can't go. And my mom was like, he's watched Scarface. We've shown him The Godfather. Why can't he go? And my dad's like, no, it's, it's too much. It's too much. I heard, I heard Sharon Stone's like naked throughout the whole movie. Just no, no, no it's too much. <laughs> Saturday, my mom, when I went grocery shopping, Drop me off. My sisters were at dance class to do whatever. We had like three hours to go. She's like, you want to go see casino? I'm like, yeah, I do. And we went. <laughs> we went and I could say that I saw, I, I guess you could say I saw my first naked woman on screen. Uh, yep. Thanks to my mom. Well, thanks mom. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I gravitated towards casino so much, but, um, and then going backtracking, I discovered good fellows, obviously. And I discovered mm-hmm. uh, like, I mean, Raging Bull, I mean, how could you not like Raging Bull, again, is another one that should be preserved, much like Mean Streets, yeah. much like Taxi Driver. Again, these misfit right. characters that he makes it's, you care about.
0: Raging Bull, by the information I have here, it is preserved in the National Film Registry, Library of Congress, and the American Film Institute. And it's ranked as the fourth greatest American movie of all time. And that because Citizen Kane is still number one.
1: Pardon? Citizen Kane is still number one. Yeah. I listen. I love. I love me some Citizen Kane, but I don't see it. I appreciate it, but I don't see it. But thank God we don't have to talk about Citizen Kane today. We yeah. should. We should go down the rabbit hole. that is Citizen Kane one day. Maybe the next one we do. Yeah. But um, yeah, for sure, Raging Bull was a classic. And I mean, you can't forget about like what he did with Ray Liola. Ray Leola in Goodfellas was so omnidirectional with how he portrayed that character. Whereas you're used to, when you saw Ray Liotta before, he was just stagnant. Same character. Everything was yelling. Everything was intense. Everything was just Ray Liotta. But in Goodfellas, Scorsese managed to take Ray Liotta and make him an actor. And that's fucking crazy because in every other movie he's been in, Ray Liotta sucks. (laughs) But in
0: Goodfellas, Ray Liotta stole the show. Yeah. He really did in a room like think of the cast in Goodfellas and Ray Liotta is the guy that stole the show. Yeah. How good of a director he is to get the performance he got out of him. It was amazing. Well, look at what he did now, with
1: Pesci in Casino. Pesci, yeah. Pesci again was very omnidirectional, but in Casino Pesci was layers. Mm-hmm. We saw this, this over-aggressiveness, this cockiness, this this portrayal of of being a true American gangster and then going over to Vegas and fucking everything up to the point where, I mean, if you haven't seen Casino, spoiler alert, Joe Pesci ends up in a hole with his brother, buck naked, yep. wearing tidy whities and getting buried, I want to say alive, but I'm almost positive by the time they're getting dragged through the, the field in the desert, they're already dead. And that's where the saying comes, if you travel the desert, you'll find 50,000 holes with a story in it. And that's, that's where that came from. Because when you fucked up with the mob back in Vegas in the 50s and the 60s, you ended up in a fucking hole. And that's exactly what happened mm-hmm. to Joe Pesci's character in Casino. And that's what Scorsese did, right? Scorsese, Scorsese, much like Coppola, took this mob lifestyle, this lifestyle that we're not supposed to be talking about, this lifestyle of underground crime, and they made it sexy. They made it to where it was right out there for you and you couldn't you couldn't stop it and the cool thing about casino was he told the story of something that happened in the 70s the 60s and the 70s 25 years later only 25 years later he brought what vegas was to the masses what vegas is now is completely different but what vegas was 50 some odd years ago it literally was a mobbed run town with so much Mm -hmm. money flowing through it it was disgusting
0: yeah now Raging Bull hmm. is you know what? this movie is the I could have been a con, con, contender. There's just so much about this movie by itself. It's just Robert Robert De, De Niro played This is probably my favorite De Niro role. And That's it was big words, man. That's big. I know word. because he's done he's played so many amazing, amazing roles. And even the comedy he's doing now as like uh bad grandpa or oh, whatever, that, oh, man. whatever that movie was. That's so was. good, so good. Oh my god. Uh or war 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 with grandpa, I think it was yeah, called. So good
1: as well. So good as well, yeah.
0: And how the hell did he get funny? <laughs> it just good writing yeah it was really really well done but raging bull is a movie that uh a friend of mine blaine said you gotta you you gotta see this uh, a movie and i'm like i wasn't huge into watching older older movies as a as, as a teen but this guy taught me about scorsese he taught me about filmmaking he he taught me who Stanley Kubrick was, like these amazing, amazing directors that he would just say, okay, this weekend we're watching uh, Kubrick's films, okay, and went to Blockbuster, rented as many, then he showed me A Clockwork Orange, and I didn't talk for like two, two hours, so that guy basically held my hand, and figuratively and walked me through the through the movie aisles and showed me what movies I have to watch. And just Raging Bull was one of those one of those uh, uh, movies because I was totally transfixed in De Niro's per, per, performance and the change that the physical changes he makes for this film mm-hmm. is absolutely amazing being the old boxer the young boxer and just I I I can't really re- really just dis- just dis- describe it. It's just still to this day when I put Raging Bo on I probably watch it once a once a, a year. I'm just transfixed the entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No phone, no nothing, no and I make sure the wife and kids are gone so I can just sit there, have a beer, watch my movie. It's just I think this is my my now that I'm talking about it, this is probably my personal personal favorite. Mm.
1: Mm. Is it perfect? No. No. But no, it's not perfect. But of course, yeah. what what movie is? It's it's I want to say I'll give Raging Bull like an eighty-four. It's eighty-four yeah. percent perfect, but every movie has flaws. But for me, performances outweigh flaws. And um, yeah. being being from coming from a film school background being trained to look for the flaws. Um, there's not a whole lot you can find in Raging Bull. You really have to look for them. But um, yeah, picture perfect. And again, what makes Raging Bull so great, performance was amazing. Uh, direction was flawless. But what makes Raging Bull so good is that um, the, the the woman behind the Mad Genius, as she was called, which was his longtime editor who lost her battle, I believe, to breast cancer in the late 2000s, was Thelma Schoonmaker. Uh, she was the reason Scorsese's storytelling was so good. Cause the way she cut his films was precise and perfect. And she would bring his vision of what needed to be told to life. So, uh, I, I hate editing. Editing is the most grueling process in making any movie. Mm-hmm. That's why I, I gravitated towards direction. Cause I could just yell at people, get what I needed, give it to my editor and say, you fucking put it together. I want nothing to do with this, but, um, <laughs> She was so gifted at what she could do. Uh, She pretty much took a a director who um, not so much faded into obscurity, but there was a long break period, which was one of his recovery periods from, I think, drugs or alcohol. There was a long break period in between. And then he fires back into like the mainstream big budget movies with gangs in New York and he blows everybody on their ass. And again, you look at that cast and fuck, how could you not love it? Cameron Diaz fucking Leonardo DiCaprio Daniel Day-Lewis, arguably the greatest method actor of our time. Mm -hmm. And if if anybody out there disagrees, uh, hit me up in the comments. I'll even let Gillamy put my fucking email out there. Hit me up in the comments and tell me why you think I'm wrong. Then I'll list why I think I'm right. Three movies. There will be Blood, Gangs of New York, and In the Name of the Father. Oh, I'll actually throw in The Last of the Mohicans. This is a man who can literally perform any character. This is an English actor who played Abraham Lincoln. This is an English actor who played the last native free native American in history. This is a man who literally could play any role. So if you think I'm wrong about Leonardo cap or I'm sorry, uh, Daniel day Lewis being the greatest method actor of our time. Tell me I'm wrong. I'll let Gillamy get put all my soldiers out there. You fucking DM me and tell me I'm wrong. And then I'll tell you all the reasons why I'm right. But
0: and I certainly case. will.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Anybody that wants to challenge me on Daniel Day-Lewis, by all means. But the fact is, Scorsese had this all-star cast, and yet he found a way to make Daniel Day-Lewis better. He Mm -hmm. found a way to make Leonardo DiCaprio better. Yep. He, He found a way to just tell this time period that a lot of people forget about and make it cool. Gangs New York was the modern Warriors, in my opinion. Gangs in New York was that story from the 70s, that grimy Warriors feel, but he put it in like the early 1900s. And it was fucking flawless. Flawless.
0: Now, let's go to Goodfellas. Okay. This is not one of my favorite Scorsese films. All right. Thank you so much for your time, Justin. It was great talking. (laughs) Take care. Take care. It's a fantastic movie, but I just I just lean towards some of the other ones, like uh, Gangs of New York. I absolutely love. The Irishman. Oh, my God. I love that. Irish background. Come on, man. No. Not as... Hey, we're all... That we're, movie
1: should have ended at two hours and 20 minutes. There was another hour that didn't need to yes. be there. When they were in prison and they were eating a fucking bread, it should end there was no need to give me 30 minutes and then give me a five minute long backtrack shot through a fucking doorway. Are you See, kidding that's, me? Overdone, that's overacted and underdirected. The Irishman is one of Scorsese's mm-hmm. worst films.
0: I'll put that on wax. I will yeah. I'll put it on wax. And that's, that's perfectly fine. The reason I like talking to you about movies, because we have different opinions and we can talk about them <laughs> for me. I love, I honestly, I love that five minute scene because I am just curious what's going to happen.
1: And it was nothing. You know what happened in that five minute scene? I got up, I got a glass of water. Then I said, you know what? (laughs) Because I was smoking at the time. I quit smoking now. But I was like, no, I'm gonna go outside for a cigarette. And then when I came in for a cigarette, I was like, you know, I'm hungry. I'm gonna have some chips. And I sat at the buffet in my kitchen, which the TV is right there. And I ate the chips. And every time the camera moved that half a millimeter, I had a chip in that five minutes I went through three small bags <laughs> because the camera took so fucking long to move. I'm sorry. I, I respect your opinion. I really do. But oh, I yeah, find yeah. the Irishman to be overacted, underdirected, mm-hmm. and just took too damn long to get to the point. I'm all about mob movies if they make sense, but the Irishman mm-hmm. was Scorsese's weakest effort in my opinion.
0: No, no, that's and that's perfectly fine because you can really tell editors now, ever since his his favorite editor passed, mm-hmm. won't cut his films down because that's what he needs. Otherwise, he's going to film a four hour movie and the editor will cut 10 minutes from it mm-hmm. because he's Martin Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Whereas
1: Thomas Schoonmaker would tell her his whole fucking career, she cut every mm-hmm. one of his movies before she passed. And uh, she cut his last one while she was battling cancer. So I yeah, believe yeah. it was cancer. I'm not 100% on that, but she was battling something. And um, yeah. even then, she was like, no. That's why a lot of his movies were so good. Because she would give you those mm-hmm. little idiosyncrasies. She would give you those long, drawn-out shots. But then she would give you all that boom, boom, boom. She would just flash all that fastness. Like, look at that, battle, look at that opening battle sequence in Gangs of Gangs in New York. It's yeah. Subtle. Subtle touches of a quick insert shot of somebody getting their face smashed in. It's like poetry in motion. It makes my heart flutter. It really mm-hmm. does. It makes my heart flutter.
0: Yeah, because the with Scorsese, he does violence perfectly.
1: Yes, he does. I
0: think. Does. I think he does. Really does. And he, it's one of those things that it just he makes the beauty of the fight, mm-hmm. and it just shows you. Like, and it's not overly gory or over, it's real. Perfect. It's just little. Yeah. 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 It's just one of those things that like, I, like I've actually punched somebody in the face and their face doesn't blow up. It looks like they, that's what it actually happens. Yes, guys. I've been in a few scrapes in my, 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 my life. Um, I'm probably probably recently
1: when he told everyone that he loved the Irishman. That's when the the
0: fights happen. I believe that. Hey, yeah, maybe. Uh, I did have a couple uh, arguments about that one, but. Shocker!
1: Shocker! (laughs) Hey, everyone. This is Adam Hayes, host of Schwa Wars Podcast. I've been involved in independent wrestling here in Ontario since 2006, and I can't think of a better way of entertaining the masses right now than with this podcast. We don't only cover pro wrestling, but we cover everything pop culture, as well as a variety of fun and unique show concepts that make us different from the rest. We dispute, debate, discuss everything with a variety of guests as we rank, review, and rave about all things pop culture from the past and the present. So if you got to spare a minute, or several, why not check us out today by going to anchor.fm slash schwa wars podcast. That's anchor.fm slash schwa wars podcast. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash schwa wars. So don't wait and check us out today.
0: Now, one, uh, before we go to casino, one, I do want to get your opinion on. Mm -hmm. What do you think about Cape Fear? It's, it's so underrated that it bothers
1: me. Uh, the original Cape Fear was a classic. Uh, again, yeah. again, that one was a classic because of the cast that was in it. I don't have time to run through the cast, so people just Google. No. Google's your friend. Yeah. Just fucking Google. But when he remade it, he, he he took us down this journey of like reinventing the thriller. In the 90s, thrillers were so stagnant. And then in 1994... Martin Scorsese slides this little gem into the world and says, here it is for all of you. Love me. And we do. It got a shit ton of bad reviews. Critics hated it. They hated that he made it, that he made De Niro like the dark character, but De Niro played it so perfectly. And mm-hmm. to the point where um, the Simpsons paid homage to De Niro, or to Scorsese's version of Cape Fear. They didn't pay homage to the original. They paid homage to Scorsese's because they knew how good it was, in my opinion. The Simpsons got a lot of things right. Uh, Even letting us know 25 years ago that Donald Trump would be president of the United States. But whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) The fact is, is that um, Cape Fear is so underrated that it bothers me. But uh, I challenge anyone to go back and and watch it. Um, You know, watch it. I think you can actually buy it on iTunes for like seven bucks. And it's so worth it. So worth it, oh. and just watch the the little subtleties, the the, the the slow pacing, the methodical style, and also to have it set where it was set, man, on the bayou in New Orleans. Like you can't get any more fucking picturesque than that, man. It, oh yeah, it was go- gorgeous, absolutely gorgeously shot, and completely underrated. And one of his one of his strongest efforts. Again, not overacted, perfectly acted, yep. great direction, and you know what? Not a minute over two hours, which was fucking perfect.
0: Yep. And I got to say, Jessica Lang was amazing in that, in that, in that movie. Oh, yeah. Like she, she, I, nobody remembers that, that name now, but man, did she knock it out of the park with this movie? Oh, 100%. She was, she was so, so good. Mm-hmm. And also Nick Nolte's in it. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Nick Nolte, uh, not, not to be misconstrued with Angry Gary Busey. They look very similar. Yeah. But no, Nick is different. Nick (laughs) Dolphy was the Prince of Tides. Okay? Gary Busey was Buddy Holly. Huge difference. That's all I'm going to say. And I know there's other Gary Busey movies. Yeah, okay, he was the bad guy in Lethal Weapon 1. Whatever. Whatever.
0: Yeah, but that's a... That's a Mel Gibson movie. I no longer watch those. (laughs) The Lethal Weapons? Really? I love The Lethal Weapons. Uh, I can't watch a Mel Gibson movie without me... Remembering he's batshit crazy. Yeah, whatever.
1: I don't give a fuck about right. his mental state. I give a fuck about his movies, man. You can't tell me that you don't appreciate a character like Riggs and Myrta. That's it. Next no, one no. I return. Next one I return. <laughs> we are going down the rabbit hole that is Mel Gibson. From direction to performances, we're going to go through the whole thing. You better book
0: off Perfect. two hours because we have to. We would def we will definitely do it. I'm not saying he's a he's a bad actor or a bad or director. David for the Mel Gibson two hour epic. Okay, moving. Okay. on. Okay, moving okay. on. Yep. Moving on. <laughs> now we got to talk about this one, Casino. Mm. Okay. Let me just read a little something something here. The excerpt from it. Okay. In 19, 19- Casino is a 1995 American epic. Crime film directed by Martin Scor- Scorsese, produced by Barbara DiFina, distributed by Universal Pictures, based on a nonfiction book uh, called Casino. Who also and Nicholas Pileggi, who also co-wrote wrote the screenplay with Scorsese, who normally doesn't write his films. It stars De Niro, Sharon Stone, Pesci, Joe Pesci, Don Rickles, Kevin Pollock, James Woods. The film marks the eighth collaboration between Scorsese and De Niro. And I think that those two are just made to work together. Mm-hmm. They really are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And casino, uh, Jewish American gambling ex- expert, handicapped, um, Wait, well, you know what? You describe this movie because this one's garbage. I'll be totally honest. This description is crap.
1: <laughs> All right. I'm like, so, long story short. Yep. In, in New York, in the 1960s, the Italian mafia had a lucky Jew, and they're lucky Jew. And I'm not. I'm not being racist or anything like that. That's what they called him in the movie. If you mm-hmm. watch the movie, he was called their lucky Jew. He was their golden horse. Whatever he bet on, he could win. He could literally control or change the outcome of any sporting event that he bet on. He was just that lucky. And he had a bodyguard. Little five-foot fucking Italian Napoleon complex Joe Pesci. And these two literally took Vegas by storm. He had a falling out over Sharon Stone, who was a crackhead and a whore. In the movie, again, not being racist or sexist, that is the description of her character. Crackhead. She's a whore. Yeah. Um, yep. And uh, eventually a lot of bad shit happens to the point where the only person left is the lucky Jew. And that's all I'll say. But this movie was everything was meant to be uh, so, uh, so happy that Scorsese uh, decided this to be one of the few ones that he allowed the actual writer of the book to write with him, because I think that added to making it so good. And I went back and I read the book when I was a little bit older to understand it and comprehend. But Casino is something that I literally have the VHS still I have the DVD I have the Blu-ray. I have the 25th or 30th anniversary edition of that fucking movie. I have the iTunes 4K restoration. I have the whole nine yards. Casino is like one of my all-time favorite movies. And there's not a bad thing you can say about it. Except that the guy who directed that eventually went on to direct the Irishman. It's the only bad thing yeah. you can say about it. <laughs> only bad thing. But um, yeah, Casino is, is just epic mob violence at its best. With a great story and a great cast. And uh, this gave Pesci his Oscar nod. This gave Sharon Stone an Oscar Oscar nod. I'm almost positive De Niro got an Oscar nod as well. This movie had so many Oscars that year. It was the one that cleaned up. It won editing, won technical, won everything. It was just phenomenal. uh, The amount of Oscars that this movie uh, uh, garnered, um, not winning, but being nominated for. Because sometimes in Hollywood, it's better to uh, be nominated for an Oscar than it is to win. Uh, When you win, a lot of times your career kind of goes stagnant and you disappear, i.e. Cuba Gooding Jr. And then you don't win and you get nominated, i.e. John Travolta, and you go on to have a very lengthy, successful career after your career was in the tank uh, because you did three Look Who's
0: Talkings. And it did win for Best Film Editing. Thelma Schoemaker, right? Yep. Yep. There she is. Oh, yeah. And because I'm just going through some of the awards and she won a lot of editing awards.
1: She's, like, She's perfect.
0: Oh yeah. All right. Gangs of, of New York. We touched on that. We already touched
1: on that. Let's talk, let's yeah. talk aviator, man. A lot of people, Um, a lot of people shit on aviator. Uh, but I loved, I loved DiCaprio's performance of Howard Hughes. I loved yeah. how Scorsese made the character so relatable and De Niro be, or DiCaprio became the new De Niro. Him and Scorsese did so many together in that early 2000s that you, oh, yeah. they, were, they were synonymous. They were like always together. And they were yep. flawless, man. They were absolutely flawless in everything they did from Di- Di- DiCaprio's performances to Scorsese's direction. It was just picture perfect, man. It really it really was a match made in heaven.
0: Mm-hmm. Because... No, the Aviator was a really good movie that I think a lot of a lot of people kind of sleep on because it's just at the time Scorsese was putting out a lot of their films, right? Oh, he was killing like, it. I think he was just fucking yeah. It. He at that time he was just going to work, and it was really really good, mm-hmm. like Wolf of Wall Street. um uh, departed. Yeah, departed. Yep. There we go. The D- the departed was good um we did we touch on good good uh, fellas yet oh yeah yeah yeah. well Uh, we
1: we talked about how ray Liotta's performance actually stole the show when he's so one-dimensional that it's because it's always like even when he's not trying to be angry like in any other any other movie but goodfellas radio is like he's trying to do a love scene like i love you fucking love you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but then in fellas, it's like, I love you. I just, I love you. Now I'm going to give you a thousand dollars, and you're going to blow me by the kitchen counter, because yep. that's our relationship. And mm-hmm. and every other movie Ray Liotta does, it's like Ray Liotta could be a comedian. He could be a grandfather. It's like, come here, come here, come to grandpa. Here, pull up my hair I got a dollar in my ear. He's always yelling, and I don't know why. <laughs> so I have no idea. But he's always in every other thing, every Even, other movie that Ray Liotta has been in. Oh,
0: god! Yes. Yeah, but not good. Fun. Even um, I just watched him in one of the Adam Sandler movies, uh, Hubie Halloween*. Oh, yeah. Watch it! Watch it! Watch it with the kids. Yeah. I, Great movie. I actually, I actually enjoyed it. Yeah. But Ray Liotta plays Ray Liotta in that movie. Yeah. He just th- no fucks giving. He just like, yeah, I am just here. And I'm going to beat up Adam Sandler the entire movie because it's because it's because it's fun because I'm Ray Liotta, yeah. And I just yelling people. Yep. And it was so so great. Yeah. Now, uh, one I did want to uh, bring up, uh, the color of money. Yeah.
1: Eddie Murphy. This is- Eddie Murphy. Dan Aykroyd. Great movie. Oh no, sorry. My apologies. That's nope. another. That's trading places. My bad. Uh, yes. Color of money is Paul Newman. It was a yep. sequel to The Hustler and it was with Tom Cruise. Very, yeah. very great fucking movie. And again, a lot of movie people shit on because Paul yeah. Paul Newman in The Hustler was phenomenal. The Hustler was just wow. And to actually do a sequel almost 20 years later, fucking yep. insane. And to do a sequel, but bring in this young Hollywood hotshot, right? And again, Tom Cruise is uh, very one-dimensional. He flashed his smile and that's, that's mm-hmm. only had in the 80s. Now he's great. Oh, yeah. Now he's yeah. awesome. I mean, there's nobody else that could be Ethan Hunt other than uh, Tom Cruise. But yeah, The Color of Money, uh, great, great movie. And when you put a guy like Tom Cruise with a legend like Paul Newman, magic happens. And again, yeah. you can see what Scorsese does as a director. When he takes a one-dimensional director or one-dimensional character, and an actor, and he gives him this like life-changing role where all of a sudden people take you serious because right before the color of money he did cocktail and cocktail was a piece of trash
0: absolute trash but then he
1: comes back and
0: oh it was was uh, sorry as a former bartender that movie pisses me off because the amount of alcohol they're wasting flipping bottles hey just buy the fucking cap that you can twist so you can flip your bottle how did they not do this it would have just mis- made it look so much better because he's just wasting booze all the time. And it's pissing me off. How, That's... Did, how did a movie
1: like that get made? And how did a uh, movie like that make a lot of money?
0: It was the the eighties and cocaine was everywhere. Yeah. Right. Okay. Nice <laughs> yeah. Try. I don't know. It's, 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 a, it's true. Like, um, uh, all I got to bring up is any, uh, trauma, trauma, trauma film, uh, Toxicate, or, or, Toxicate or Avenger. Uh, apparently all, all those, all those movies were made by, and they were made to launder drug money.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Before, yeah. Before they got caught and yeah, it was garbage,
1: garbage pill kids is right in there. Same, same
0: ballpark. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And all those, all those, all those uh, films that I loved when I was like six. And... Hey,
1: but the '80s, the '80s gave what? us *Labyrinth*. Okay, *Labyrinth* is still a classic,
0: and so is David Bowie's *Cardi*, piece.
1: Oh, yep. hell yeah! Okay, come on, <laughs> I love that song. Uh, when he's singing with all the goblins, *Baby with the* Oh yeah, <laughs> Dance, *Baby with the- Oh yeah, I love. It. It's like, and it's like he's talking to the group. It's like, "Who do you do? Who do voodoo? You do,
0: baby with the pup."
1: Yeah, it's good. Great. Bowie. Flawless. Flawless.
0: Oh, my. Yeah. See, I am a Bowie fan. I really am. And that movie just made me love him, love him, uh, love him, love him so, so much more. Absolutely. And there was one movie on this list that I did not even hear about or even see. Twenty sixteen, Silence. Yeah, great movie. I I have I've never seen it, never heard about it until I saw this list. How that flew under my radar? I don't know anything about it. Can you uh, can you can you in quote inform me a little bit on this? Because
1: no, just watch
0: it. It's it's I, so
1: underrated that it's great. Yeah. um, it's got Andrew Garfield as a priest. That's all I'm gonna say. Oh, I do not love it. Yeah, no, that'll be great. Yeah. If I'm doing so right movie, I believe. I've been, hang on, now I gotta search. Hang on a second.
0: Ah. Uh, <laughs> No, just, he does so many different styles, different, like, he does modern day, he does time pieces, he does... Yes, I am thinking of the right one, thank God. Yeah, it's got yeah.
1: Andrew Garfield, Adam Driver, and Liam Neeson, and this is a, a phenomenal film that a lot of people, uh, again, might have slept on, because it was more <laughs> of a, Scorsese goes back in this film, he kind of goes back to his artsy roots, and it's uh, very, very picturesque, very, excuse me, very... Um, it's just, it's just a period piece that, um, it works, but it was also, um, right after he'd won his Oscar, or not right after a couple of years after he had won his Oscar, he'd already, like it's Scorsese. He's made his money at this point. And it was kind of like, uh, that in between from Jesus Christ, I want to say Wolf of Wall Street. It was the in-between between Wolf of Wall Street and, uh, that horrible Netflix movie that he did.
0: The Irishman. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I, I know the name. I just Oh yeah. I want I want to make you say the name because I want you to hear how bad you sound when you say it. But I like it and I can't control why 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 I like, I I like it. That's right. And deep, just, throat, and deep throat a lot of people like deep throat.
0: So, it's yeah. Fine. Oh yeah. It's fine. But and it just I am amazed at this man's career. I truly am. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not an envious thing. It's like, how can a person be this creative from one movie to a next? And then going from documentary filmmaking to putting out the biggest blockbusters on the on the planet. And he's even done, like, he directed my, um, a Michael Jackson music video, for God's sakes. Man. I think it was bad. but it was. Eh, it was. Kind of. it, was. Yeah. it was bad. It was bad. Yeah. It just, like, one of the... Qu- like the one of the biggest music videos in the biggest music video time period, the eighties. uh Theatrical, like one of the biggest names in Hollywood. I'm going to direct a music video for him, Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Who has the fucking balls to do that? Really, Martin
1: Scorsese. Yeah. Oh and my who, god. And who took the longest to win an Oscar before he? Now we have to we have to talk about Departed, right? Can we talk about Departed? Yeah.
0: Now? Yep,
1: we do. okay yeah. so we just went through the gauntlet of like again there's so many more movies we could have discussed but we went through the gauntlet of oh god yeah some great great films and some not so great films and some sleeper films um we touched on the the great of the great you got your raging bulls you got your casinos you mm-hmm. got your cape fears you got your taxi driver you got mean streets you got all those again history if you're going to show a kid who wants to be a director wants to be an editor how to make a movie you show him a scorsese film That's what you do. If you want to show them how to make a lot of money, but make a bad movie, you show them a Scorsese film. You show them the Irishman. If you want to show them, I have to, I have to do it. i have to do it. If you want to, if you want to show them, uh, what 40 years of going against the film world gets you before they finally just give up and say, okay, yeah. Okay. He's got a movie coming out. Let's just give it to him now it's just, people fucking hate us. So we have to. We have to. Mm-hmm. And uh, they give it to him for Departed, which was a very, um, very, very, very um, stolen script, in my opinion. Very stolen. Uh, reminded me a lot of District 13 or D13, mm-hmm. Well, the French action film, minus all the action, but very similar storyline. Cop kind of working his way in going against the grain, literally playing the part for years off the books, off the radar, if you will. And then he pulls out great performances. Mark Wahlberg is is a decent actor, but he pulls out a great performance for Mark Wahlberg in a bad movie, in a movie that was just not Scorsese at his best. This was a very lazy Scorsese and it's too bad because he had a dynamite cast. He had Jack Nicholson. He had, he had um, DiCaprio and he had Mark Wahlberg it it could have been something special but the fact of the matter remains whoever wrote it and I'm not sure on who wrote it but whoever wrote it stole the idea from a French action film mind you again French action film Departed one's an action movie one's a drama people would look at it and say it's not the same movie but if you look at the subtle undertones and hints the screenwriter actually goes out of his way to even steal some lines of dialogue from District 13 so my whole beef with Departed is that it just, it's not Scorsese at his best. It's it, I rank it right up there with the Irishman. Uh, it's, it's overacted, underdirected, and it's not. Uh, other than Mark Wahlberg's performance, which I did find really, really great, it's not. Even Jack Nicholson seemed like he didn't care. Yeah. Jack Nicholson seemed like he didn't give a fuck to be there. And DiCaprio tried to save it, And I get it. It's critically acclaimed. It made a lot of money. And there are a lot of people out there that like it. That's great. That's your opinion, but this is mine and I'm the guest on the fucking show. And he picked me for a reason, not anybody else. Cause I'm honest and I'm going to say it. And if I'm wrong, great. Prove me. I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, I'll say I'm wrong. But when I'm right, I'm right. And even when I'm wrong, I'm still kind of right sometimes. So it still makes me right. See what I'm saying? That's a line from – that's Terrence Howard from Get Rich or Die Trying 50 Cent. Even when I'm wrong, right. I'm right, but I'm still wrong, and I may still be right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. It makes <laughs> yeah. sense. yeah, it does. Oh, but yeah, man.
0: This this, um, this was not Scorsese at his best. I know. I and, be, I, be and with The Departed, I have watched it. I know I watch it. Can I tell you one scene from it? No. You're, because and that's give a
1: fuck. You're not – you're yeah. not invested in these misfit characters. This is the one movie where you, there there's the there's there is these misfit characters, and you don't care. It's kind of yeah. like it's kind of like um, uh, Donnie Brasco. I've watched that movie a hundred times, but could I yeah. tell you anything other than Al Pacino's glasses? No, <laughs> no, and that's because it's a, it's it's not a good movie. Blow, yeah. my wife loves Blow. I've watched it with her a thousand times. Could I quote a line from it? No, but play from hell. I'll quote you Johnny Depp's dialogue back to back. Oh yeah. But play, play me blowing.
0: Yeah, It's a, uh, it's a weak film. really is.
1: It is. I there's, there's some films that are so critically acclaimed that I don't understand why. And then there are mm-hmm. films that, that you gravitate towards it. And maybe it's just who I am, but I never, so, I was always, even the, even the movies that I loved. I love Tarantino uh, when it wasn't popular to love him. Yeah. I loved Tarantino when he made Reservoir Dogs and people were like this guy's mm-hmm. yeah it's great but what's he going to follow this up with? Well then he followed up with fucking Pulp Fiction, shut your fucking mouth. Mm-hmm. And then he followed it up again with Jackie Brown which eh, yeah like The Irishman. It's yep. not good. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. But then he came then he comes back and he gives you Kill Bill 1 and 2. Yeah. But then he then he also made a hateful eight. Yep. So we 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 have so, to understand that there are good there are good and bad. Exactly. There are layers. There are layers. There are layers. But um, departed is is not one of those great ones. Uh, Silence, on the other hand, I highly recommend. If you haven't seen it, Justin, please do. And I
0: I hope I that Scorsese really
1: I hope that Scorsese looks at the Irishman a year or two from now, and says, mm-hmm. I don't want to go out on this. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want this to be the last
0: film that I do. I want want one more. He has one coming out in 2022 called Killers of the Flower Moon. I'm in. Yeah. What's the running time?
1: Tell you the running time.
0: Nah, tells me nothing. There's no no information about it. Is it a Netflix film? Uh, That I do not know. All I got. All the information, no actors, no nothing. Okay. Post production, that's it. So it's been shot. There's, been shot. Yeah. There's there's no information on this film out there right now. Hmm. As a Scorsese film, who you, you normally know who the actors are, you know who the cast is.
1: Oh, Hollywood's always a buzzing with everything, right? Yeah. yeah. Nothing. Oh fuck! I hope it's not another. I hope I hope Netflix has nothing to do with it.
0: Yeah because they don't want to rein Scorsese in. That's the thing. He needs to be reined in. He needs someone to work with. He's as you said that editor was the the was the secret his 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 secret sauce. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do got to uh, we do got to wrap this up cuz you gave me one full hour, hour of your time. And I always, always aid, aid, Appreciate it, George. Thank you so, so much. Absolutely. And before we leave, self-promotion time. Come on, buddy. Let me let me let me let me have it. All right. So you can find me at uh, on Twitter at underscore straight talk, on Instagram
1: and Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, on YouTube at Straight Talk Wrestling is podcast I do with my daughter. And I also have a side podcast called MLW Rewind, which is on Straight Talk. I do that with my podcast life partner. That's Uncle Bobby B. And, um, oh, dude. yeah, I got, we just hit 400 subscribers. So thank you to everyone that subscribed, but we're always looking for more. So check out the content. Let us know what you like and what you didn't like. And, uh, in terms of, um, merch, I've got a couple shirts on pro wrestling tees, but my daughter and I have a whole bunch of merch on Spreadshirt. Uh, it's great. Uh, we've got our, we've got hats. We've got thermoses. We've got cell phone cases. We've got all kinds of stuff. The prices are kind of set by them. I shit you not, mm-hmm. I only make like five bucks an item, but it's easier for us because I don't want to have boxes and boxes of fucking merchandise in my basement that I'm not going to sell. So if you like us yep. and you want to support the show, check out Spreadshirt. Everything's, it's done in US, Canadian and uh, UK prices. It gives you all the exchange rate, it does the shipping, it does everything for us. So anything you purchase from us goes right back into the show. And what can I say, Gil me, this is like the third one we've done. So yeah, the fourth one, I think we're either going to, we, we have to do Coppola or we have to go down the rabbit hole that is Mel Gibson. But uh, either one of them will be dynamite. I would even challenge you to this if you're up for it. A lot of people don't know the obscure filmography of Tim Roth. I do. And oh I, would, I would love to go down the rabbit hole that is Tim Roth.
0: or We have
1: to do Tim Roth. Or as some of you know him, love Theodore him. the Thumper. <laughs> and if you don't know what that is,
0: Google that shit. <laughs> Oh my God! Oh man! So, so guys, stay tuned for the next one. We have more ideas coming out. I would love, love to pump these out with George, but we both are very, very busy dudes. Mm -hmm. So, tune in to the next one, boys and girls. Yep. (laughs) Big, huge thank you for George for coming back on, talking movies with with me, uh, me again. We'll get another one another one of these going probably in December. But let me just round out the show real quick, guys. Go rate, review, subscribe. Go check out all the social medias for Straight Talk Wrestling, Gilme Talks, and the OIW Podcast Network. We just want to put out more content for you guys to enjoy because we're, we enjoy putting out content for you. And we just want the show to get bigger and bigger and yeah that's it and I will talk to you guys oh yeah got a got a show for for the sponsors you guys know it go check out Ghost Jewels on Instagram use a promo code gilmy g-u-i-l-m-y I get a portion of the proceeds which go right back into the show here guys because I have no at ad- ad- advertising budget so you guys liking sharing do all that kind of stuff. It really helps me out. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star re- review. If you don't want to leave a review, then don't. It's just I'd rather have my five-star re- reviews stay five-star reviews. If you don't like the uh, show, message me. Tell me what yet what you don't like. Go check out Shirtcasters for all your podcasting pa- podcasting clothing needs and s- support all your all your all, your, all all your friends here at the OIW Podcast Net- Network. Big news. The website is in construction mode, so keep your, your eyes out for that. that. We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye, guys.